Welcome to Yousef Isep, a weekly podcast with Northern Lights Winery founder Doug Bell, exploring the experiences from leaders in business, social media, and family. Now here's this week's exceptional guest. Welcome to Yousef Isep. I'm Doug Bell, the host of the podcast. I've got Genevieve Jade here in front of me, an artist in Prince George, someone who I looked up to for a long time, um, has has been a bit of a, an, an icon here because she really has showcased uh, the best of the art scene um, and is incredibly helpful, is involved in a lot of um, uh, volunteer and uh, fundraising opportunities locally here and and is added so much to the art scene. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you for having me. So why don't we start uh, a little bit further back, maybe give us your origin story. Where are you from and uh, how did you figure out that you were an artist uh, when you were younger? Well, I'm actually from Prince George. Um, I was born and raised here. Um, I grew up in Beaverly, which is just west of town. And I've basically been singing since kind of when I started talking. My, my mom has said that, uh, kind of like that ABBA song that I began to sing long before I could talk. <laughs> um, so I've been singing, I've been singing forever. And it kind of started when I was little. I used to spend a lot of time outside with my animals. We had horses and dogs and cats, and I spent a lot of time outside with them. Um, and I would write as well from an early age as well. I would write in my journal, my mom would always encourage me to write down something at least that happened in my day every day and that kind of spiraled from there i kept a journal throughout most of my youth and yeah i guess that kind of uh <clears throat> led me to be a songwriter eventually uh later on in life um yeah so i started singing pretty much right away i would enter into all of the talent shows at my elementary school. I loved being on stage. I loved being in front of people. I was a little bit of a diva when I was a kid and had a lot of confidence, um, as most kids do when they're younger. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was, my mom put me in choir actually when I was pretty little. I did that for a few years. It was um, it's still around today actually, Bill Canto Choir. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, I did that for a few years, but I decided that it wasn't really for me. I didn't like having all these people around me and I wanted to <laughs> be on the stage by myself. You wanted to be the star. I wanted to be the star, yeah. I was a little bit of a diva and I just, yeah, it wasn't for me. Choir wasn't my path anyways. Um, so my mom and my dad entered me into uh, singing lessons. They've always been like, I was thinking about this earlier today, just um, before I knew that I was going to be here talking to you. Yeah, my parents were just so supportive of of my singing and of my music career right from the start. And that's can be quite rare. Mm -hmm. You know, parents sometimes are wanting you to pursue other things that will be maybe more at traditional career paths. Uh, but my parents have always been really supportive of uh, of my singing and of my music um so that was really really helpful for me so i yeah i was in bill canto choir decided that it wasn't really for me so my mom uh joined me in singing lessons with don boudreau mm. years ago um and that's what kind of she was uh really huge in the community when i was younger 
and and still is today. She's no longer uh, living in Prince George, but she she was really, I think, a big uh, starting point for a lot of musicians at the time when I was growing up. Um, she would always host like really big recitals, like really out there. And put like a lot of work into concerts and recitals, showcasing her students. And that was huge for me when I was little. Like I would really like look forward to those recitals every year and put a lot of work into practicing and performing. And that's kind of what uh, piqued my interest into starting a career of being a performer. How much do you think, um, you know, it affected you with uh, Dawn and your parents' support? One of the things that's, I think, interesting to me, and you just said, uh, the most kids want to be performers and most kids want to be stars. And I actually think that's almost completely the opposite. Uh, I think that uh, in today's day and age, it's so hard for kids to have the confidence right. um, to stand in front of a group of people and perform. Yeah. And, and many people are, you know, self-conscious for a variety of reasons. But how, how do you think um, the way that your parents uh, uh, raised you and, and maybe like the people that you surround surrounded yourself with kind of influenced your confidence in, in going and performing in these places? Yeah, I guess that's true. There are a lot of children that are, you know, on the shyer, shyer side of things. But it, sometimes it has to do with the influences around you and other times it just it might just be like who you are at your core <laughs> like I uh, I I am like I like to call myself a extroverted introvert I'm very good at making it seem like I'm having a super good time in the public and no problem being on stage um, but inside I'm like typically like crumbling <laughs> and having a hard time but um I, I really like, I like to push myself. I like to challenge myself. And I think I've always been like that since a young age. And I think just having that, that support around you, whether it's a teacher, um, a friend, a, a sibling, some, maybe just like one person in your life that's like, hey, you should really keep doing that or is really supportive of you and doesn't tell you to be quiet and sit down and don't behave that way, right? just kind of like encourages that creativity in kids. It all it takes is really like one person around. And I was lucky enough to have multiple of those people in my life that would encourage me to be open, be confident, be loud, be. Yeah. Yeah. You think about that. It's so interesting because the the dichotomy between the the need for affirmation and maybe it's only one person, mm -hmm. but also the ability to kind of turn a blind eye to any negativity in the world as well. And if there are some, you know, for every friend that you have that's really positive and says, you, you're so good, you're doing a great job, you know, you love this, let's keep moving forward. And then there's another group of people out there that are saying, oh, I couldn't do it or, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it if I were you or there's so many other things you could be doing. Oh, totally. How do you, how do you keep your mind focused on this thing that you're clearly your heart's telling you you want to do? Yeah, I think you just, it's tough. You have to like really ignore those voices and take them with a grain of salt because I've definitely had a lot of people in my life that have been that way, right? Or, you know, say things like don't quit your day job and things like that, right? Um, but it's like, well, this is my day job, so I don't have a backup plan. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's something that you really just need to 
try your best to ignore those voices and know that for every 10 no's that you get in your life, you're gonna, there's going to be a yes at some point. <laughs> you just have to keep waiting for that yes. It'll, it'll happen at some point. And there'll always be those supportive people that are out there. Maybe you're just not in the right place to, to find them yet, but they're out there. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you performed? The first time I performed... I, I actually don't. I've been doing it for so long. I I can remember like pinnacle moments though, I would say like of early performances. Um, probably like at uh, at school and elementary school at a talent show, I would say. I sang this old song called Stormy Weather. And I remember being on stage and being so nervous, just shaking my legs, just shaking. That's where my nerves like to hang out is in my legs. They always shake and quiver. And I remember being on stage singing that song because it was, uh, actually I can't remember who the original singer of that song is, love to look that up. Um, but uh, it was on this old karaoke CD that my mom gave to me for Christmas one year. And I just loved it. I thought it was such a beautiful song. And yeah, I, I sang that live and I was, so happy that it was over but definitely one of those moments where I was like yeah I like I like that I should do that again <laughs> felt right <laughs> I, I think there are always going to be those specific moments that we always remember um and, and I mean I'm not a performer to your degree although I've always been confident in front of people and I remember uh, uh in my grade seven year this was probably one of my only performances ever I played a, a wallflower song. I, I was a guitarist and I uh, oh, did a cool. wallflower song in front of the whole school at like our graduation ceremony or something. And I remember all of my classmates coming up to me after and saying, oh my God, that that's that was, uh, you know, incredible. And you're really good at this and all this. And it, it made me feel really good inside. And this one person uh, uh, came up to me and, and was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I didn't like you before, but I do now. Oh, wow. It was the weirdest situation. And, and you know what? I, uh, that actually made me, I think in a lot of ways, actually made me quit. And it was like this one person who gave me this feedback that was supposed to be positive, but somehow I took negative. And I, and I don't think I ever performed a day after that. Oh, no. And it was, and it was so sad uh, when I look back at it because uh, I overvalued this one person's opinion, even though it wasn't you know, even meant to be negative in any way. And I imagine that uh, over the years, you've had plenty of those in, in the positive and the negative categories. Um, but I'm interested, like for artists and, uh, and young people growing up, like what are the things that they should think about if they believe they want to do this? Like what are, the, what are the first things they should do to almost prepare themselves for that notoriety before they receive it? Well, I've been a, uh, a music teacher for almost a decade. I've had a few years off um, as of recently, um, but I've, I, I used to teach at home. I used to have my own studio and I've worked with kids a lot. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do, actually. I love, I love hanging out with kids and I love teaching music and sharing that with kids. Um, and one of the things that like, that I, that I try to teach them is they need to be aware of what they want first, not about what everyone else around them is expecting from the performance or from them as a musician, but they need 
to be aware of like what what they want and that's such a hard thing to know at a young age right and they need to know what the goal is to find their voice not for them to sing or sound or play like anyone else but play like themselves and that's easier said than done but that's my that's my goal that's like my main goal with them is to spend enough time navigating all of these different genres that we can maybe find one that works best for them that maybe they hadn't thought of before so um show showing them like different music that maybe their parents don't play or maybe they don't hear at school and i like giving them different tasks throughout the week like listen to these two songs this week and let me know what you think write a few things like what what did you notice what did you like what didn't you like so much and I always ask them to record their own voice as well and um, writing down positive things that they hear about their voice, not negative things, but positive things that they love about their voice. And maybe we can like focus on those so we can help like explore those areas that they really enjoy about themselves and what comes through. Um, so I think that that's a really important place for young artists to start it's like just exploring like all that you can explore maybe not just focusing on like i'm really into say taylor swift that's that's my thing maybe not just sticking right there but also just allowing yourself to be curious of other areas as well and that's i think that's a, a good a good place to be as a young person is just checking out those different musical areas not just sticking in one little box yeah, I, that yeah it makes question. it makes total sense. And I really love the idea of starting with what you want because you almost need to be grounded. And, and um, with social media today, a lot of what we do is based on what we think is going to get the most amount of likes, mm -hmm. right? Or the most amount of views, whether it's on TikTok or Instagram or, or whatever the platform is of the day. We're doing things not necessarily because we like them, yeah. but because we think that they'll, you know, perform better. And whether it's like, you know, on, on uh, um, you know, on Instagram, if it's like people who are just very attractive, taking pictures of of themselves, right? And but then they have something really deep and meaningful to them that they want to say, but they're afraid to say it because their followers are there for a different reason. And so then right. that just kind of brings a lot of negativity into their environment um, than when you can actually say something that's meaningful. So I really like that you're introducing that to um, artists at a younger age because it's so critically important. Um, so what happened next after you maybe you got your first few uh, gigs in under Dawn and, and you were starting to develop out your skill? Yeah, after that, um, throughout high school, music was always there, but it wasn't like my main focus. I, you know, definitely turned into a little bit of a rebellious teen and was doing other things and would still go to music lessons, but wouldn't really care as much. You know, it was it was there, but it wasn't like my most important thing um, until grade 12. I kind of changed for me. I started um, hanging out with a few people that were really into music and it kind of piqued my interest. Like they played guitar and I was like, hmm, maybe I should start learning an instrument, right? So I started to think about that. I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my life? Everyone else around me, it seemed like a lot of people knew, like, I'm going to be a nurse. I'm going to go to university. And I just never really saw any of those careers. Um, I didn't see myself doing any anything really 
Uh, so I ended up applying to Selkirk College, which is in uh, Nelson, BC, and it's a music program there. Um, it's developed out of the Berkeley University um, of Music in the States. And yeah, it was, it's a, it's a, it's a great program. It's really, it's wonderful. And it's, it's in our province too. It's nice. You don't have to travel across the country or into the States to, to do it. Right. So it was feasible for me at the time. Um, so I ended up applying and, uh, one of my really good friends, Lydia, Dawn's daughter actually applied at the same time. So we kind of we applied together and we both got in and we moved to Nelson together and kind of started our, yeah, started our journey together. And it was uh, really an amazing experience at first. Like when you come from a smaller, Nelson's a small town as well, but when you come from an area where there's not as much, it didn't seem like there was as many musicians around me at the time when I was younger. It was kind of like a little hidden thing I kept to myself. I didn't really tell many people that I went to school with that I sang or that was a part of my life. Um, I guess I was kind of like embarrassed. I don't know why I was embarrassed. There's nothing to be embarrassed of, but you just, maybe you don't want to see other people around you to see what you do, I guess, because in case you mess up or, fear of that when you're younger um so I went to Nelson thinking I was an okay singer I was like yeah pretty confident like I'm all right I'll I'll do fine and then when I got there I was like wow I'm not nearly as like okay as I thought I was there's so it's so saturated in a music school right you're surrounded with so many other people that have been doing this for maybe longer than you maybe they've been performing already maybe they've they're just at different stages in their music careers and there's others that are yeah they're just wonderful like so many like talented people around you so it really is like a humbling experience going into a program like that and and inspiring too because there's so many people around you doing what you want to be doing so it was like the best decision to go there um and so yeah, that was my my next little step. I I learned a ton while I was there, but uh, unfortunately, my time was cut short. Yeah, I didn't get to finish my uh, my diploma because I had a medical condition called vocal nodes, which is basically like little nodules on your vocal folds that you get from many different reasons. But for me, it was most likely um, singing at like a really high level and not maybe not taking care of my voice the way that I should have been. But when you're younger, like it doesn't just happen overnight. It happens, it's a long time coming. So it's hard to say like where it came from, but that unfortunately stopped my uh, music diploma. I couldn't finish it. So it was a it was a weird experience at the time. It was in my second year and uh, the school, they wouldn't let me continue with, cause they knew about my diagnosis and it was all of a sudden like I had some weird disease <laughs> everyone was like stay away from me even though it's not contagious but uh they were very they didn't want me to hurt myself more so they I wasn't allowed to like I couldn't continue with like my vocal lessons and the performance aspect of it and so I could do other things like theory work and the book work side of the program but I just I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't stay there because it was too hard to watch all the people around me 
get to pursue the thing that they love and I wasn't able to. So it was, it was challenging for me. So I ended up uh, totally switching career paths. I became a nail tech and I had a whole different life for like three years, three, four years. I completely put music to the wayside in my early 20s and just kind of moved on. And yeah, it was bizarre. I don't really remember much of those years because it was like miserable. <laughs> that must have been such a tough time for you. I mean, you're clearly pursuing something that's like a huge passion of yours. You've kind of found this little path in life, probably the, a group of people that you really connect with. And then it's just kind of all stripped away. It's all taken away from you. And you're told to go back and that this is not going to be for you. Mm -hmm. um, like, how did you deal with that? Yeah, and it was um, it was kind of just there was no um, answer for they weren't like, OK, well, if you do this to rehabilitate yourself, like you'll be all right. There was no clear answer. It was just like, well, unfortunately, like you just can't sing anymore because this is the state of your body and it's not good for you. So don't continue, basically. And the, the doctors, the first doctor that I met, the otolaryngologist was very uh, cold in his deliverance. He was very much like, this is how it is. Like, and I was like, well, I'm in music school. Can I continue singing? And he said, no, of course not. And that's like all, <laughs> that's all he gave me, right? So I went and I ended up seeing um, a different specialist in Vancouver um, who was a little bit more clear and a little bit more compassionate for sure. And, uh, but it's still, there was no like answers. There was no like, okay, like what's the timeline on this? When can I do this? It's very much like, you can rehabilitate yourself, but it's it's going to be hard. It's going to be tricky, right? Like any sort of inner inju injury in your body, right? But it's it's a much a you can't go to physiotherapy for vocal notes. Like it's a lot more challenging, and it's something that you use your voice every day. You have to in a lot of settings, right? It's pretty challenging to not. So it was yeah, it was hard to have that stripped away because it's like well what 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 now what am i gonna do <laughs> um so i i just put it aside i was like well i just don't think i can do it i don't think i can do it anymore and i was kind of just pretending like i was accepting that and i just totally stopped playing music altogether stopped writing and then uh one day it was really strange i i was working at my mom's gas station and there's nothing against gas stations at all. Like I literally grew up in a gas station. I've always <laughs> been around them, but for me, it just, it just wasn't for me. I found people to be like really cold and really mean. And, but you do learn a lot about the general public in those little like 20 second windows that you talk to people. But anyways, one of my customers uh, was this old childhood friend that I used to, that I grew up right next to when I was younger living in Beaverly and she came in and we got to chatting and it turns out she was a, a vocal coach at the sound factory and she's like well I'm actually I'm moving I'm going to school and they're looking for a replacement like I can't believe I just ran into you like you should go apply and become the new vocal coach because they really need they need someone and I was like oh I don't know if I could do that like I can't even sing myself how am I going to teach other people to sing and I ended up 
doing it. And it was like one of the best decisions I've ever made because through working there and teaching people how to not have the same vocal condition that I have trying my best to anyways, I was able to rehabilitate my own voice. Um, through vocal vocal work and vocal exercises and easing my way back into singing through that. And and that's that was about eight years ago. And I've literally been singing and performing performing like ever since. Wow. So it was like the best, the best decision and started right at the sound factory. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about um that not to get too nerdy. But I mean, there's a very technical aspect about singing. I mean, your voice is an instrument, no different than, you know, a guitar or a saxophone or uh, a violin. Right. Um, and so when you're teaching people, you're there, there's a lot of like technical parts. And then, you know, there's the artistic part that makes somebody so different because every, yeah. you know, people can learn how to, you know, make certain sounds, but they can't necessarily do it a specific way and be able to do it in a way that's going to enhance the, you know, the, the enjoyability of a, of a song. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, it is kind of, it gets into the nerdier aspects for sure. Um, and I think at first, when I first started teaching, like I didn't really know a lot. I didn't know very much. I thought I did, but when you get people coming in and seeing you and asking you about specific qualities of their voice that they'd like to change. Um, at first, I didn't really know how to navigate that, right? Like I just, I did the best that I could with the tools that I had at the time. Um, but when it comes to like working on like different qualities of your voice, um, I would say like starting with that, uh, my first place I would start with someone is building their confidence because without ha and of just a relationship with the student because without that it's really hard to know how someone is actually singing when they're maybe in their comfort zone right like when they're in their car or maybe they're in their bedroom at home um so that takes a long time it's just to like build that trust with that student and then you start noticing that once they're more relaxed and their voice is more comfortable around me, then you can actually start working on their voice. And that might take a week, that might take six months, that might take a year for someone to get into that comfortable state. Um, but I think like just working on like the basics, like breath work and um, ear training, which is like pitch training and learning with, um, I use the piano when I'm when I'm teaching matching people's voices to the piano notes, making sure that they're hearing the appropriate thing. Because if you aren't hearing the right sound, it's hard to sing the right sound, if that makes sense. Yeah. Kind of. And when you're when you're singing that, um, a variety of songs, there's different types of musics and genres. And, you know, there's very specific things within a genre that people look for. Yeah. Um, how, how do you, how do you go about training somebody? Cause there's probably, you know, could be 25 years from now, somebody might be listening to this podcast and thinking about getting into it and they just, they want to know, right? right. They, they, they don't know what they don't know. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Well, I I teach contemporary music, which is almost everything other than classical music. If there's someone who's wanting to learn more musical theater, I would refer them to someone who has more of like a higher level of understanding of that because I've never really done musical theater myself. So I really try to stick with what I know and I don't like to pretend like I know something that I don't. So pop music is a place where people will start and um, pop music and singer songwriter, folk music, country music, I'm comfortable, or rock music, I'm comfortable with those genres. But if it's something outside of something that I've sung myself, it's I try to refer them to someone who has a higher level of understanding in those genres. Um, but like I was saying before, I don't, I'm not the kind of teacher who's going to teach them the perfect qualities to sing that specific genre. I don't really believe in that. I really want them to find what makes them them and focus less on, okay, for this 90s song, we want to tap into your nasal, nasally sound, right? Or we want to really try to get that belt voice out. If that's not something that they possess, I don't want to try to make them do that because it's not, maybe it's just not for them, right? I really want to try to like, let's sing this song, but let's sing it how, you, how you're going to sing it. And we can still stay true to the original song. And that's important to honor that song. And you want to try to keep it somewhat similar, but also it's a cover. So the whole idea is to bring yourself out in it if that makes sense yeah i love that and that's, I, think being, I approach it a little yeah. dip little bit differently i don't like singing songs note for note because for myself and my own vocal condition like if if my voice isn't feeling 100 percent that day i have to i have to be honest with myself and know that okay i'm not going to be able to hit that note so i'm going to have to change it and move around it and navigate it and that's what i like to teach my students is it's it's different. Your voice is a very personal instrument and it's kind of totally depends on how you're feeling that day. Maybe you had a really awful day or an awful sleep and maybe you need to sing the song like a little bit lower that day than you normally could. If you had like perfect sleep, you're in perfect health, you're in, your spirits are high, but it, it just teaching them that freedom and like getting to be honest with yourself and your voice and know your voice. So that's, it's a hard thing to... <laughs> to grasp right away but it's kind of like my my secret agenda <laughs> i absolutely love that and were when you were um, developing out your own skills you probably did a bunch of research and whatnot but were there some specific influences uh, or role models not just locally but maybe on the international stage that you um, really looked up to that you kind of pointed at as like mentors whether or not you knew them or not well a big part of my, like where my songwriting start started, um, right when I was about 18, I saw this YouTube video of Bonnie Vare playing on The Late Show. And I had never heard of, heard of them before. And I was just totally like entranced with his voice. I thought it was so cool that there were so many different uh, elements and elements of his voice and it wasn't just like I just never heard anything like it before and that really opened up my eyes I'm like wow there's a whole because when you're younger you kind of get stuck with what everyone's listening to that's around you right like whether your your parents or the radio station that they choose to have on or your friends or parties right and it's 
I just never really, didn't never really struck a chord with me. Any of the music, I was like, yeah, okay, it's all right. But I didn't really have like a favorite artist until, yeah, until I heard Bonnie Bear and that, that like totally changed it for me. I went and bought uh, their first CD from a forever ago and that just totally inspired me. I listened to that song, um, that entire CD in my Grand Am for like probably a solid like three years. It just never left my <laughs> CD player in my car. And yeah, so I would say Justin Vernon of Bonnie Rare is definitely like one of my greatest influences. Um, but also like I love Alison Krauss. I love um, Radiohead too. I'm a 90s kid. So yeah, those are probably some of like my, probably my top three. Yeah, Fleetwood Mac as well. Stevie Nicks. <laughs> Stevie Nicks is the absolute best, the yeah. goat. And um, there, there's a book out there called Steal Like an Artist. Uh, I really think it's interesting for me because I, I don't consider myself an artist. I mean, in a way, I guess I, I create wine and things like that. But um, being uh, still like an artist, the premise is essentially that there are no original ideas and you have to be true to yourself. But yourself is a compilation of the influences around. For sure. You, right. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, whether uh, it's Stevie Nicks and and you know, whoever you grew up with, you, you kind of, you, you mimic them to some small degree because you like the elements and you see some of those elements in yourself. Um, yet you also have to create your own persona and your own personality. Yeah. Is that, do you agree with that? hundred percent. Yeah, totally. So when I'm teaching younger musicians, trying to find their voice, that's why I'm trying to throw at them tons of different influences that could maybe you know, strike that chord with them and be like, okay, yeah, check out this other artist and maybe it would be just untap this totally different part of you, which, yeah. yeah. And I feel that way about myself as well, definitely. Like you you are not much without the influences around you. Yeah, now they create a lot of what you are. Mm -hmm. um, now, after you came back to performing and you were you were teaching, um, you, you started to get quite a bit of notoriety, a um, little bit of a fan following as well, which is, which is fantastic. Um, but some, you know, when you're performing and it's live, anything can happen. So maybe tell us a story or two about when things didn't go right or a moment where you just felt like you were on top of the world because it was just an incredible, um, you know, moment for you. Well, when I was getting back into singing, like I was kind of mentioning before, I was still like navigating some vocal health issues. Um, uh, there was a point where I was performing quite a bit. Like I, I had a duo with uh, my friend Brock and I called Daisy and the Fisherman. And then I was also playing as a solo artist with my friend uh, Nick Tyndale, who we we still play together with both of those, both of those guys actually today. Um, but uh, I was performing quite a bit and so much to the point where I could sing, my stamina was strong and I could sing for up to like three, three to four hours. And you can just get that feeling of being on stage and your voice isn't tired and it's like, you're ready to go. And during that time, like my voice had never been healthier cause I was singing so much and I was exercising my vocal cords so much that I just really felt like, wow, I've like come, I've overcome this hurdle finally, and we're like ready to move forward. And now I can start pushing myself. 
even harder. Like, let's record, let's do things, right? So there wasn't like one like set moment, but I know when my voice is in its zone and it's hit its sweet spot, it's like there's no greater feeling, especially just with my my past and my vocal health issues that are still ongoing. But when your voice is like in the zone, it's, it's yeah, there's nothing like it. It's pretty great. Um, there was one funny moment, though. I got asked to sing at the Cougars game like quite a few years ago to sing the national anthem. And I've never done it since because, because of this, I was in the middle of the national anthem and I just completely forgot the words like of the national anthem (laughs) just completely disappeared. And I can't even remember what line it was, but I like blacked out. I think it's because it's so loud in there. And what I needed was earplugs because the, your voice takes a while to travel and then it comes back and hits you in the face. So you're hearing what you had just sang four words ago. And it was totally just messing with me. So I just stopped singing. And then everyone else was still singing. So then I just joined in like a, couple, like a line later. And no one really noticed except for me because they thought I was just letting the crowd sing. But no, I just completely forgot. I was totally out of it. And then it and then I finished off and it worked out all right, but I haven't done it since and I don't plan on ever doing it again. <laughs> like, no, it's, that, would, that would be incredibly stressful, I would imagine. You're in the middle of this audience of yeah. thousands of people all looking at you and then all of a sudden, and I, I imagine that probably happens to artists all the time. Oh, definitely. And well, it's really bad when everyone else knows the song and you don't. so why when i sing my own music typically if i make a mistake no one's gonna know unless they've really listened to that song many times (laughs) so outside of music i know travel is a big passion for you obviously last few years have been more difficult to travel during um but maybe tell us a little bit about you know why that is and and some of the experiences you've had yeah definitely um i've I've always wanted to travel and it's just one of those things that it just took a long time to get to the point to be able to actually go for it and do it. Um, I've done lots of trips around like Western Canada, I would say. I have yet to kind of explore the East, um, but I spend a lot of time like traveling around and just going to different areas of BC because I, I just love BC so much. There's so much to see just when you think you've seen it all. There's there's always more. It's We have such a beautiful province that we live in. Um, but a couple of years ago, I traveled to Southeast Asia, I visited like four different countries around there. I was lucky enough to take two months off of my life and go there and just really focus on traveling. And while I was there, I, I wrote all the time. I wrote every day. It was so inspiring just to be in a different, um, just a different routine, different element, different people. Uh, different cultures like it's just it's so inspiring and I love meeting new people and I love hearing different stories so that really uh yeah it was it was amazing it was incredible and I was lucky enough the next year to to go on another two-month trip and I went to Sri Lanka that time and uh it was amazing I my partner and I found a stray dog on the side of the road and he was like really injured and gave me that look. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh-oh. So we took him with us and it was a holiday that day. We couldn't get into a vet. So we ended up finding this wonderful human who 
was able to help us and help us take care of this dog. We stayed with him for like three weeks and nursed him back to health as best as we could. And he still lives with this individual who I'm talking about. He's his dog now and named him Rody because we found him on the side of the road. <laughs> but just that experience and alone, like I, I have yet to like write a song about that particular moment. But while I was there, I was I was writing and I was so inspired by all of the kind, generous people that we met along the way that made it possible for this stray dog to have a good life. Like there were so many people who helped get, the, um, just helped us, you know? We were just these wild tourists that <laughs> just wanted to help this dog and so many people in this little city made it happen. It was, it was incredible. And, uh, yeah, I've I've had the travel bug ever since. I can't wait to be able to go somewhere again. I'm not sure where the next trip will take me, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully soon. Because mm -hmm. the last couple of years made it a little challenging, um, but hopefully soon, be back on the road again. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's a, an incredible point of inspiration for you, and and really relates back to uh, your music in a lot of ways. And I think it makes a lot of sense because when you're creating songs about experience and, you know, you often hear about an artist talking about, well, this is my heartbreak album because, you know, them and their yeah. partner separated during that period of time. Or, you know, this is my love album or this is the album about, you know, my new car, <laughs> whatever yeah. it is. And, and I think it also is one of the things uh, that makes it so difficult if people get to a specific amount of fame that they get taken out of the experiences that we have as average people or, or you know what we consider to be average people in our day-to-day -day lives and so it becomes a little bit less um authentic to those who are listening to it because they don't get to uh, experience you know um the high lifestyle that many other people get to, to do and that probably creates a lot of frustration for them like, because it's it's less relatable right yeah um also, I just wanted to, to talk a little bit about um, kind of your upcoming um, uh, like hopes and dreams for music, not just, you know, for yourself, but within the society within Prince George, because I think that's this is something that has been growing for a few years. And unfortunately, during the pandemic, it was more difficult because there was less opportunities for people to perform. But are you trying to help actively create more opportunities as well? for your students and for other artists around the community? I think we're so, we have such a supportive community here. And I think a lot of people that don't live here don't really understand that. And and I don't know, maybe every community is like this, but I, I feel like we're very lucky here. Um, our arts scene is growing every day. And despite all of like the challenges and hurdles that we've continued to overcome uh, daily, um, we've been we have so many like active members within our art scene that are really trying their best to keep it alive keep it growing and keep it open to the next generation of musicians coming forward um my friend denny bell with mad loon entertainment has been like a huge member of that of that art scene like he's been bringing in artists from his own travels. He's a touring musician as well. Um, 
incredible artists throughout Canada. He he brings right to our Prince George Legion and he'll always showcase um, local artists as well, like at those shows. And just like a couple of weeks ago, uh, there was a show there and there was a band, high school students essentially, like a brand new band. And it was this punk band and they're so good, so incredible. And it was so inspiring to see this, these like young musicians already performing and like playing their first like big show. And they were so great. And that to me is like so inspiring that there is these young people that are continuing on and taking our place and, you know, moving up with us. And that's, that's so great that he's able to hold that space for these new musicians. And there's, there's a ton more people in our community that I could mention as well, but that's one that comes to mind. And I try my best to, to do the same with, um, yeah, like my students, like you were mentioning, I've, I haven't really been teaching lately since the pandemic. It's kind of shifted gears for me a little bit, but I do plan on getting back into it. And that's one of my favorite things is just giving opportunities to those who are ready for those opportunities in the community. One that comes to mind is, uh, Grace Hawksbergen was one of my students forever. She actually performed here this yeah. year. And um, I've been trying to get Grace out performing for the last like five years. She's so young and she's been doing it. Like I'm so proud of her. She's out on her own now. She's just playing wherever wherever she can. And I'm, I'm so proud of her. Yeah, it's it's so great seeing um, seeing young musicians like doing that and just creating more art within our community That's and more incredible. entertainment for people as well. I'm sure you inspire a lot of people. And, and now that you are the establishment as, as, uh, as you grow, creating that trail of breadcrumbs um, so that the people that come after you are even more successful, I think is going to be very noticed for the community in the community for a long time. Now, uh, what are you doing lately and where can people find you if they're looking to catch up? Yeah, I, um, I'm actually recording an EP right now. Yeah, we're just in kind of like the final works of wrapping that up. Hopefully it'll be out there at early 2023. That's the plan anyways. Um, I have a website, genevievejade.com. Jade has an I in it. It's a, yeah, it's a kind of a weird spelling. Or um, I'm on Instagram as well, genevievejade underscore. And on Facebook, I'm pretty active on my social media. I share a lot of um, a lot of music content, but then also personal content as well. Cats, cat videos, cat pictures, dog photos. <laughs> Try to keep it funny and fresh every day. And uh, I'm also, uh, I sing with a band called Patchwork as well. And we're like a folk alternative band with a lot of my really good friends. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And we're active on social media as well. Patchwork PG. That's awesome. And we'll have those in the show notes below. Um, I highly recommend checking them out. Uh, Genevieve, you always post amazing things. Who doesn't like cat videos, honestly? Uh, always fantastic. My contribution to the uh, artistic world here is the seduction wine we're drinking, strawberry and rhubarb. Um, but uh, you have contributed a lot more uh, to, to that culture than I have in the city. And I uh, really appreciate what you do. And, and also I appreciate you coming in. Uh, this conversation has been incredible today. So uh, this is it for today on uh, You Sip, I Sip. Thank you so much for coming in, Genevieve. Thank and you so much for time. having me. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Thank you for listening to You Sip, I Sip. 
please hit the five-star rating and leave us a review. If you'd like to learn more about Northern Lights Winery, text us at 604-670-4046 or visit us on social media at Northern Lights Winery.